for a, a thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, looking for a good question for Fourth of July. I didn't I didn't see one. And, and since I really wanted to talk about interdependence day, I thought I would I would go with that um, with that topic. And hopefully maybe it might um, answer maybe a question or two that you might have had. So um, grace to you and peace from God, our creator and Christ, our wisdom. Amen. I am sure that you probably all have really fond Fourth of July memories, right? Of uh, maybe special, special holiday, uh, family gatherings or community gatherings, parades, all those wonderful things. I have a special memory of sitting with my family on my great aunt Mary's porch um, when I was a child. She lived right across the street from the town park in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, where they would set off the, the fireworks. So we had pretty much a front row seat to the, to the fireworks. So I always remember that. And I also remember fire, fireworks. I guess I like fireworks. <laughs> fireworks once when I was in Wisconsin and we got to lie on the grass very close actually to where they were setting off the fireworks that we could actually feel the ash from, from the fireworks sort of raining down on us. But it was pretty, pretty spectacular. So you may be having some of those, um, those memories right now as well. But I'll tell you what. Fourth of July gets tricky when it's on a Sunday um, because like Michael was talking about, we wanna be patriotic. Of course we wanna be patriotic, but we, but we don't wanna get caught up in what's known as the American civil religion, which, which melds together Christianity and patriotism at, as, as if the two of them are, are linked, um, inextricably linked. For instance, there are churches who are doing something called Freedom Sunday. Um, I guess they've been doing it for the past several years that, that they wanna do 4th of July as celebrating our freedoms as Americans and our freedom in Christ. Well, that sounds good, right? Um, but I looked at a promotional video for, for one of them and it was a scene of uh, red, white, and blue fireworks and an auditorium, of course, it's a big auditorium, mega church, a flag waving congregants. And there was the American flag in the place of honor on the stage. I didn't see a cross or any other Christian symbols anywhere around. And at least in the promo video, there was no mention of Jesus. Um, interesting aside to all of this, there's another Freedom Sunday. There's another uh, event called Freedom Sunday that's held in the fall ever since 2010. And it's, and it's, this is by the Set Free Movement, which is a, an organization that works for the elimination of human trafficking. Their promo talks about how on Freedom Sunday, churches around the world come together um, to a united, hope-filled, justice-driven community seeking to end human trafficking. Um, and they say Freedom Sunday is more than just a day. It's more than a worship service. Freedom Sunday is a movement of hope. Wow, same name, right? But big difference between the two. This notion of freedom can be interpreted in a variety of ways. And oftentimes they're at odds with each other. I mean, we saw this, right? When the pandemic hit, some people claimed that freedom meant the right to forego wearing a mask. 
And some churches claimed that freedom meant the right to gather despite warnings of, of risk. Our ideas about freedom and independence are being challenged as never before, at least not in our lifetimes. I mean, sitting on Great Aunt Mary's porch, to me, seems like an unrealistic scene in a Norman Rockwell painting. Black Lives Matter movement has also caused many of us to take a harder look at our history of freedom. Uh, Frederick Douglass, who on July 5th in 1852 in Rochester, New York, gave a keynote address at a uh, July 4th Independence Day celebration and asked, what to the slave is the 4th of July. It was a scathing speech in which Douglas stated, the 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice, I must mourn. Last year, a Maryland newspaper asked local black leaders what it means to be a black American on July 4th. One of the respondents said, Independence Day has never been for people who look like me. Another said, my Independence Day is Juneteenth, a time to commune in prayer, music and dance and food, and to remember the lives of slaves that were lost. And another said, rarely have I celebrated the 4th of July for the historical meaning that it represents to our country. The time in 1776 was a period where I recognized that my ancestors were not allowed to participate in the liberties of this country. Approximately 15 years ago, I took on Juneteenth as Independence Day. And then there's the discovery of the remains of hundreds of indigenous kids at a, a residential school in Canada. Now, before we think, oh, that's Canada, that's not here. It happened here as well. Uh, Guy Irwin, who was former Bishop in our Southwest California Synod, he's now president of United Lutheran Seminary, was born in Oklahoma and he has Osage and European ancestry. He identifies as a member of the Osage nation. And he remembers Osage cousins who were sent to the Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania because it was effectively too far from Oklahoma to give any of the children hope of escape. Many died there too. And only this year were the remains of a number of Osage children who died at Carlisle exhumed and returned home. He said, I expect to make a pilgrimage to the Carlisle graves later this summer. And one of the hardest parts of this story is the complicity of Christian churches in this destructive work. Well, you know, it's controversial these days whether, whether we can be called woke or not, but I'll tell you, if being woke means having our eyes and ears opened to other parts of our history, so be it. And it doesn't take away from our celebration of July 4th as Independence Day. We can certainly celebrate that, but it just means that we now add in all of the parts and all of the people left out of the story. And that's why I like Interdependence Day. To me, not just to me, I think it's true. It fits in much better with the teachings of the Torah and, and with Jesus. Independence allows us to, to settle into a way of life and belief and practice that, that doesn't err on the side of utter dependence on others. Everybody's fear, right? We don't wanna be dependent on others, but it also doesn't go all the way over to the other side of rugged individualism, trying to be totally self-reliant. And that's a temptation that many of us fall into. 
And interdependence, make no mistake, is not codependence. Codependency is an imbalanced relation, relationship where one person tends to rely on others or another for their sense of self and well-being. The boundaries are blurred between them and other people. It's not that. Interdependence is everyone being their individual healthy selves, but it is mutual reliance on one another. I think back to in John chapter 15 that has Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. In other words, that connectivity is what gives us the wherewithal to bear the fruit of love, compassion, justice in the world. And this idea of interdependence, I mean, this can apply to our personal relationships as well as how we operate in an organization, in a church, in a nation, in a world. Think if we all thought of that, if we actually followed the gospel teaching of loving one another, being connected with one another and with our world, what it would be like. Well, this idea of Interdependence Day isn't new. It's been around for a while. And it's funny that there are different ideas about it and different dates for it. The first, the first time I can remember seeing anything was in 2002, um, which was an, an event launched by an organization called We the World at the Johannesburg World Summit on Sustainable Development. And it was uh, instituted as part of their annual 11 Days of Global Unity that takes place every September 11 through 21st. So there's, there's an Interdependence Day that happens um, in September for, for that. And then um, there was another one in 2003 that was launched on September 12th. But this one was launched on the day after the second anniversary of 9-11. And the idea was that 9-11, um, 2001, was the day that we Americans experienced the, the revelation that we are inescapably interdependent with all the people of the world. And that we don't wanna lose that realization. And that September 12th annually could become the day that we affirm and renew our commitment to our interdependence, which is different from 4th of July, doesn't take away from 4th of July, but it's another way of, of, of talking about our freedom, our freedom to be with one another. Then in 2010, uh, Shane Claiborne, a Christian social activist and author called for an interdependence day for July 4th um, as a way of not being anti-American, but being pro-world. So that then he gives like 38 ideas of things we might do on the 4th of July to, to, to um, embody this idea. And then in 2013, this was the most ambitious one of all. The Network of Spiritual Progressives put out this long manifesto, um, a guide for how progressives can transform July 4th into Interdependence Day. It's a long document. It's got some great ideas in there, and I hope they I hope they're able to do some of that. But boy, it's it's pretty ambitious. But then the pandemic hit, right? 
<laughs> we all remember that. And the idea seems to have taken hold in a new way. And people are coming up with this idea of interdependence day. Now, everybody who comes up with it thinks that like they originated it, right? Um, John Danner, who's on the faculty at UC Berkeley and at, at Princeton in, in leadership, innovation and entrepreneurship wants to have a, an interdependence day, but not on July 4th, on January 4th. He wants to have a new national holiday, but on a, at a different time in order to complement the July 4th celebration um, of our national independence, but having one that also talks about our global interdependence on January 4th. And then 2021 also, uh, the Global Day of Interdependence was instituted. All of these, these um, proposals start out pretty much with the same idea. They say, if there's anything we've learned over the past year, <laughs> it's that we are unquestionably connected. And they all kind of say the same thing. Um, July 4th, 2021, White House Science Advisor, Eric Lander, in an article called This Year Independence Day is also Interdependence Day. He's putting the two together. He says, 2020 has made us realize how interdependent we are. And they all go on to talk about the ways that we've realized how um, scientists and frontline doctors and nurses and healthcare workers and all the people who have been so important to us during this time, we realize how interdependent we all are. Um, now what this all says to me is that before the pandemic, there were some attempts to organize this day, some big manifestos about how this was going to be organized and run and instituted, but it never actually really took hold. But the pandemic really taught us organically, kind of literally organically, about how interdependent we are. We, we pretty much get it now. The question is, will we remember the lesson? I think if we read our scriptures, if we read Deuteronomy, if we read how God is always calling the nation back to God, to repentance, to the freedom of living in under, under the commandments, the statutes of God, and how Jesus calls us to care for one another, to be one with one another and with him, then this is how we can remember this lesson. And then, of course, we could go back to, you know, Shane Claiborne has this list of 38 things, which is kind of interesting. Some of them uh, I'm not going to do, like make a rain barrel and correct your rainwater and stuff, but maybe you want to do that. But some of them are kind of cool. Track down old teachers and mentors. Let them know the influence they've had in your life. Um, attempt to repair something that's broken. Um, look through your clothes. Learn about one of the countries where they're manufactured. Do some research to discover the working conditions and commit to doing one thing to improve the lives of people who live there. Um, this is a cute one. Go through a local thrift store and drop $1 bills into random pockets of clothing being sold. Um, spend a day hiking in the woods. Consider how God cares for the lilies and the sparrows and you. And then he opens it up and says, add yours to the list. Let me know what yours might be. 
So I thought that was, I thought that was kind of, kind of fun. And it helps us to think outside of ourselves, outside of our, my little world, and to think about, about how I am connected with others, the people who make my clothes, the people who grow my food, all, all of those things. Now, what about as a church? What about as a church? Because we're interdependent too. We are not just here. Um, and, I, and here we are. I mean, we're all in different places, right? We're scattered around the county and even the country. And yet somehow we're connected. We get that, right? So we know that we're not just this um, independent structure. We're also members of a, a conference, the, the uh, San Francisco Peninsula Conference. We're part of a, a synod, the Sierra Pacific Synod. We're part of the ELCA. We're part of the Lutheran World Federation. I guess whenever we get to, you know, Star Trek days, we'll be back in the, you know, in the in the galaxy, uh, Lutheran Galaxy Association or, or whatever, that will be part interconnected with all of those. And, and it's not just our, our Lutheran identity, our Christian identity, it's also about our civic engagement. What's our responsibility as Christians in the world? I mean, we know that our country right now is so divided, so fractured, so contentious, and we all wonder about how we're going to go about healing this, this condition, and what is the role of the church in doing this? I, I was happy to see an organization called the Partnership for American Democracy that actually has, has been recent, pretty recently created to, to sort of bring about uh, uh, this effort at civic healing. And what I like about it is that they are bringing together key players from businesses, community organizations, religious institutions, yay, academia, think tanks, government, and nonprofits, and creating a cross-partisan community from all organizations and individuals alike. In other words, an interdependent effort at healing our country. So as far as I'm concerned, that's the best way to bring uh, Christianity and religion, uh, religion and um, country together, a very patriotic way to do that. Um, and so I signed on. So I'm hoping to hear more about that in the, in the future. And they're actually working to develop and advance sustainable democracy goals to be achieved by 2026, the 250th anniversary of our declaration of, of independence. So I, I think that's, that's great. So I guess all I wanna say is today, let's enjoy this holiday and, and let's celebrate our freedom as a country and of our release from, from these pandemic restrictions. We have a lot to celebrate this time. Um, and maybe take it some of the, some of the art, take a look at some of the articles and the ideas for interdependence day. I'm actually going to put them up in the chat. I'll put a bunch of links up in the chat that you can see some of these articles and things that I've, I've been looking at. Um, but I, but I guess what I want us to do is to really think, um, ongoingly about it, what it means to be interconnected with Christ, really with this vine that connects us with other people, with, with all of creation in, in the web of life, right? With every person in this divided states of America, those we agree with and those we disagree with. And how can we be part 
of the healing of the hurt places? That's the question now. How can we be part of the healing of the hurt places? And how can we be a part of the building of the new? Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you live according to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's true freedom. True freedom in Christ that then allows us, enables us to be free in all parts of our lives. So on this 4th of July holiday, let freedom ring. Amen. Um, this piece is um, called American Anthem, and I included it in my um, concert from last weekend, and it seems to resonate well with the, the with what Pastor Susan just shared. Uh, it was written by an American composer named uh, Gene Shear in 1998, and uh, it was featured in the Ken Burns World War II uh, documentary series, um, The War. And as it was recently quoted by uh, President Biden during his um, uh, inauguration, and also one quote uh, share that was from the New York Times, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a passionate opera fan from her youth, and one of her favorite singers, the American mezzo-soprano Denise Graves, sang for her one last time on Friday at the Capitol ceremony, and this was the, one of the pieces that was included, and it's called American Anthem. Just checking, did the piano sound come through? Yes. Thank you. By those who came before, a dream of a nation where freedom would endure. The work and prayers of centuries have brought us to this day. What shall be our legacy? What will our children say? Let them say of me, I was one who believed in sharing the blessings I received. Let me know in my heart my days are through. I gave my 